0: Robert will be here shortly. He's uh, polishing off our trophy uh, for soccer. Um, Pray for our team. We try to represent Claremont Bible Chapel as best we can. Um, I need to do a better job at being a goalie, but (laughs) after that, then uh, you'll see a couple more trophies back there, but we lost today, so pray for us. I was approached by Dave to speak on a topic uh, very familiar to me. Um, It was about the political arena. Dave asked me to speak about that, and so he wanted me to speak on uh, the losing parties of this past year and how they need the Lord. As not, no, he didn't, no, he didn't. And everybody's like, what? Political party? No, he wanted me to give an uh, overview about the discipleship program that you guys have been praying about, who's in it, um, what are we doing it for, uh, how, how it works, and the tools that we're using. Uh, to help us do this. And uh, the man from this morning, Steve Price, was the, uh, he is the, our teacher. So we had a few brothers approach him, you guys have heard this if you've been here in the morning, and he decided he was going to fly out once a week and disciple us on how we can disciple, or once a month, yeah, recently, it feels like once a week because he's been here so many times. Uh, (laughs) Once a month to disciple us uh, so that we can disciple Others, the members are Josh, myself, or Josh Chun, myself, Steve Yoon, um, or Sam Steve. <laughs> Steve, <laughs> I love you, Steve. Sam Yoon, <laughs> Sam Salazar, <laughs> uh, Justin Prater, Nick Weaver, and Robert uh, McKay. Now, um, once we start, it's every, it's every Saturday. We get in here at six in the morning, and we have an hour of prayer. We realize that. We cannot dive into the Word of God with other things on our mind. So within that hour, there usually comes up, we pray for others, we give thanks for being able to give thanks, being able to enter the throne room boldly, but again, humbly. So we have to humble our spirits before we can dive into the Word. Then, uh, and after that, we use the software. So we all have laptops. We're sitting down in that room or the next room over, and we have Logos Bible software. Now, Logos is uh, its an amazing tool. It's, um, it's also expensive. Uh, Logos, it's funny. It, uh, your Christianity is gauged on how much money you can put <laughs> into Logos. <laughs> they have different, um, let's say, uh, um, levels of of uh, availability of different softwares and and logos. So uh, a lot of us realize that we are uh, basic Christians um, (laughs) because we we have the basic software for the program. But it's it's everything that we need to know. Uh, If we do studies, we do studies, topical studies, um, uh, studies on the epistles, uh, Old Testament studies. You don't study these things the same. Um, uh, The gospel, uh, character studies, If we pick a character like Paul or Jesus Christ, it has a lot of information on that. Um, We have outlines, Clausal Outline, um, Structured Outlines, and Vine's Word Study Bible. I I remember um, Mark letting me use his books, and uh, he had The Strongs, it's also in there, too but that's on another level. Um, I'm not at that level of Christianity yet. I haven't put that money into the Logos software, but soon, soon, once I uh, find another job uh, to support my Logos habit. Um, Also, we are in the book of Philippians, so you guys can just go ahead and turn to Philippians right now. Um, I'll give a word for that. Interesting fact about Philippians is, uh, there's only one L in Philippians. I did not know that. We tried. Okay, so I say that because logos will not. If you can't spell, you're not going to learn anything. So, so if you try to search something and you type Philippians wrong, it's going to probably shut down, um, which which happened to me. Now, the way that we study um, certain books, and we chose Philippians for this nine-month program. Philippians. It tells you, I mean, Steve gives us a rundown of what we need to know. Um, We need to know the author, which is Paul, uh, the location, the history. So outside of the Bible, you have to figure out the times and the dates of what book you're studying. If you're studying Philippians, you see when was it founded, when the date was, how did it come to be. So it was founded in 360 BC, before Christ, and it was King Philip II that founded that. King Philip II birthed Alexander the Great. Alexander the Great is also in the scriptures, in Daniel. It was a Roman colonized city. Um, The citizenship was huge, seeing as they fought for status and uh, a rise to the top. It was a militaristic city. You also need to know the date and the place of writing. So it's 59 AD, Paul is writing this. Where is Paul writing this? He's writing this in prison. How do we know this? We also use the scriptures to affirm what we are studying. We have Acts. Now, in Acts, it also references the things that we study in Philippians. That's how we know know who's writing this and where he's writing it from. You also know this in verse one of Philippians, uh, or I'm sorry, in chapter one of Philippians, verse seven. It says, "Even as it is meet for me to think this of you all, because I have you in my heart, inasmuch as both in my bonds and in the defense of uh, in the defense and confirmation of the gospel, ye all are partakers of my grace." The word bonds is also translated as chains. That's how we understand where Paul is. That's where we get an understanding. As he's writing this letter to the Philippians, he understand Paul's heart. Now, this is a thank you letter. He is filled with joy. I have never been arrested. I don't know if there's anyone in this building that's been arrested before or been incarcerated somehow. If so, would you write for the joy of someone else if you were in bondage somewhere? Um, especially if you were in chains. Now, the Philippian jail was a little different then. They didn't just throw you in a cell and tell you you were gonna get an attorney, no. If you were in jail in the Philippian jail, chances are you were gonna die then. You were in stocks or you were in chains and you were bound to either a jailer depending on the person who was in jail. Now, you also need to know the church history. Paul, at this time, was called to, to the Philippian church uh, by a Macedonian man. We get that also in Scripture. Philippians also has Lydia, the seller of purple, which we know that in Acts, where Paul was, the fortune teller, which is a little girl, and the Philippian jailer, hence Philippians. So we'll read chapter 2, uh, verse 5, if you could turn over there. Chapter 2, verse 5, this also gives you a, a more of an insight as to what Paul was speaking on. Uh, you get more of the illustration as where he was in his mindset when he talks about the things in, uh, in verse 5 through 10. It says, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men being found in the fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross, wherefore God hath also highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name, that at that time of Jesus, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth. So now you can understand going back and reading the history of Philippians, why Paul is writing to the Philippian church. He's writing to them to understand um, current events that they would be able to contrast and correlate these things out of, uh, out of their lives, meaning Caesar. Every time Caesar came in, everyone would bow, everyone would kneel. He, was, he exalted himself. Caesar also, and any Caesar at that time, thought of himself as a god meaning that he was born of a godly nature. That is not the case. Paul contrasts that with Jesus Christ. If you were from Philippi at this time, you would understand who Caesar is. You would also understand, being a Christian, who Christ is. Paul is bringing it down to a level where the Philippians, again, understand. What did Caesar do? He hailed himself as a god. What did the actual god do? He humbled himself, verse 7, but made himself of no reputation it took upon him, the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of men. A servant at this time, in Philippi, was seen as the worst thing ever. They had no rights. They worked, possibly until they died. This is their God who they're telling to them. This is their God who Paul is writing to the Philippian church to relate to. Also... And being found in the fashion as a man, he humbled himself, became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Wherefore God also hath highly exalted him and given him a name, which is above every name, that at that name of Jesus, every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth. Because of his humility, he was exalted by God. This was not the culture in Philippi. In Philippi, you worked your way to a status. Being a Roman citizen was the status, the premier status of today, of the day. Achieving that status, achieving a Caesar like status also meant that people were to bow to you in a sense where you would look down at your nose at some people, especially if you were the Caesar at that time. Every knee should bow. If a person was walking in front of a Caesar, if a Caesar was coming down the street, every knee would bow. The contrast through Christ is, because of his humility, and he humbled himself, he was elevated higher than a Caesar, that every knee should bow in heaven and in earth. That's what we learned from the logo software. That's what we learn again, just from our brothers um, expositing and taking out of the word what it is, um, and also sharing that knowledge between all of us. Once again, these things we didn't learn, we're not in this program, uh, in the discipleship program to get head knowledge. Uh, It is very possible for us to Uh, learn more about the scriptures and be completely useless. We were speaking of that yesterday. There's no point in giving us everything that we need to know, everything in that software, if it fills our head, if we can't give that to the church, if we can't hear, serve the church, the body. And the software is just the first, not the software, the program is just the first step, in a sense. Uh, We have to find ways to minister to the church. Uh, The goal, and sometimes, not sometimes, well, most of the times in the assemblies, we know, we understand the Bible more so than um, any other church out there. You can throw out a denomination if you want to. But the goal is to be more Christ-like. The goal is to serve, and it's also to serve the church that we have here. Um, the church that we're in, the assemblies that are represented, because Sam Yoon is also represents a church in uh, in L.A. I think it's Zion. Am I correct? Yes. So, with that said, um, personally myself, uh, this past month was a it was a um, it was a fun month. Let's just uh, let's say that. <laughs> The, uh, the first discipleship program, we all sat down and we prayed. And some of you guys uh, have heard me uh, say this story before, but we prayed and uh, we went around and everyone's just pouring their heart out, pouring their heart out. And uh, it's my turn. And it's almost like I black out. And I say, Lord, just, I need more faith. I'm praying for more faith, Lord. Um, no one stopped me at this point in time seeing is how he definitely made me rely on him through faith. The next week, I had a series of uh, famous migraines. Um, I was told I need and uh, water to uh, help those migraines out. Um, and then on the week after that, I lost uh, my car in transportation. Got in a car accident. Uh, myself and Caleb Brooks were leaving in Anaheim Stadium and someone turned right in front of me, boom, crashed. I lost my transportation. I then had to rely on other people in the assembly to uh, provide my transportation. Some of you are sitting in this room. God bless you. There is an extra blessing for you. Uh, I know the Lord will bless you so that I could get to work. Um, Also, the week after that, my laptop is what I need for the discipleship program to do my homework. And yes, we have homework, a lot of it. goes out now we had a conference call with uh, Steve and we were telling him our weeks uh, events and uh, Steve confirmed that the things that I was going through was of God one of those things would happen a year but they wouldn't happen back to back for a week so it's exciting you could see that the Lord was moving in a certain way he was allowing things to happen to me physically emotionally And uh, also spiritually, which was cool. It's exciting to see those things, but it sucked. (laughs) Nobody wants to lose their car. Uh, Nobody wants to lose things, but it made me depend on the Lord. It was exactly what I had prayed for. So I knew at that point in time that when I prayed, the Lord was listening. And I don't know necessarily if he's done. Because this event happened, or these events happened, that made me exercise First John 1, 9. If he's faithful, if you're faithful and just uh, no, I'm sorry, um, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. I called up an elder and started <laughs> confessing the slate. <laughs> boom, 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 boom. This is what I did. And I need help. I could be wrong. And even then, you know, condemnation didn't come down like I thought should have, I'm thinking, okay, I need to be separated. I need to do these things. I need to give me a flight of 50 stairs. I'll run up them three times a week, that whole thing. He said, no, no. He says, therefore, there is no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. And it was comforting. It was comforting that I knew that because I prayed what I prayed and the events that happened, that I was able to exercise something in the scripture, and I got the benefits from it. And now because of that, me and that brother, or closer. So, with that said also, circling back to this discipleship program, um, we are learning these things also, uh, not again, to continue to get head knowledge. We are learning these things to correlate what happens in our everyday life to the church. I had to rely on the Lord a lot more, within this past month, because of what happened, because of what I prayed for. I also had to uh, uh, look to my brothers and and pray with them also. And these things are happening because of this program. Um, I, I like the program a lot. We are being uh, taught to be fishermen, and your prayers are coveted, they really are. Um, we need more of them, because I could tell you right now, it works, <laughs> and, uh, and it's, off, it's also seen. We're learning to be able to serve the, the body in Claremont, um, and, and that was the purpose. So, Next year, when there's another discipleship program, I should be a mentor. I want you guys to, uh, and I'll, make the, I'll speak for everyone when I say kind of gauge us to see if we're doing what we need to be doing in this program. Because, again, if you're not seeing the fruit from it, what's the point? We don't have this program for us. We have it for you guys um, and ourselves, too. And to serve others is to... Uh, uh, Is to serve the Lord. We want to do that. So, with that, I'm going to invite Robert up, our MVP of the game tonight.
1: Good evening. By MVP, he means most vulnerable person. Thank you for that overview, Ricky. Uh, if you'll turn with me to the book of Philippians. The, as Ricky said, the goal um, as we're studying, learning these techniques, is to be able to, um, to look at this book, to put it in its context, to first and foremost not preach heresy, but also to be able to look at the book as a whole in the macro then to take a verse now that we've placed it in its context, apply it correctly, and make sure that we're keeping it with that theme. And so as we've been, um, as we've been studying the last three times that we've met and on our own, uh, we came to an interesting point yesterday, uh, right around lunchtime, where, where we were examining this and, and a brother who is significantly more uh, in tune than I am, noted that the the book of Philippians, from start to finish, is a book about the gospel. And we're going to take a look at some of of these um, things that we've observed, uh, studying on our own and together, bouncing ideas off of each other, at how these beloved verses um, that we've grown up learning, whether it's in Awanas or at Sunday school, really draw us back to the goal of of furthering the gospel. So we're going to start in Philippians chapter 1. And as you're turning there, the word gospel is used nine times in this book of Philippians, and uh, the idea of preaching Christ is used in additional three. The, The word good news was used to herald the birth of a son of Caesar. And so a crier would go throughout the Roman Empire saying, Good news, good news, Caesar has had a son. And yet here we find that the gospel is used not to herald the birth of a son of Caesar, but a son of God who came as a man, and not just a man, but came to be treated as a, as a bond servant, someone who a Roman citizen would look at as scum. And that's the, this is the, the idea of studying this, is to not only take the context of the verse but to take historical context to take uh, cultural context and apply it that way as well so some of the things that that really have drawn us to to see this theme um, we see right from the beginning paul and timothy the servants of jesus christ to all the saints in christ jesus which are at philippi with the bishops and deacons grace be unto you and peace from god our father from the Lord Jesus Christ, I thank my God upon every remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for you all, making requests with joy for your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ, even it is, it is meet for me to think this of you all, Because I have you in my heart inasmuch as both in my bonds and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel, you are partakers of my grace. So right away we see that Paul remembers the Philippians as people who have partaken in the gospel with him, who have defended the gospel and who have confirmed the gospel, partaking in the grace as well. And we know that Paul's first adventure to Philippi. He was accused of uh, coming in and trying to deceive the people after he cast out a demon from a girl who was making money for her masters, telling fortunes, locked in the prison, and began that church by the conversion of that jailer in that miraculous night. And from that day on, the church in Philippi was focused on defending the gospel and confirming the gospel, as we see in uh, verse 7. Even from Philippians uh, verses 12 through 19, we find that Paul, who had written this letter from from prison, said that his bonds were to the furtherance of the gospel in verse 12, but I would not, would ye should understand, brethren, that the things which happened unto me have fallen out rather unto the furtherance of the gospel, so that my bonds in Christ are manifest in all the palace and in all other places. And many of the brethren in the Lord, waxing confident in my bonds, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Some indeed preach Christ, even out of envy and strife, and some also of goodwill. The one preach Christ of contention, not sincerely, supposing to add affliction to my bonds, but the others of love, knowing that I am set for the defense of the gospel. What then, notwithstanding every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is preached? And I therein do rejoice, yea, and will rejoice, for I know that this shall turn to my salvation through your prayer and the supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ. So even though there are those who are are glad to see Paul in bonds maybe they uh, they thought that Paul was pompous and uh, thought that he wasn't doing it right maybe they maybe they wanted some of the glory for themselves knowing that he was renowned throughout the Christian world and, and thought that it was their turn to go out and preach and make a name for themselves we don't know and it says that Paul really doesn't care Paul never did it for for the glory Paul's focus whether he was in prison or free, whether he was recognized or a humble tent maker working out of the back of someone else's house. His goal was to see the gospel spread. And through verses 20 through 30, we see this again uh, shown that <clears throat> that Paul's concern for his own life is is placed low he says that whether he he lives or dies is christ and and we see from uh, from 21 for me to live is christ and to die is gain <clears throat> could i get a glass of water uh, but if i live in the flesh this is the fruit of my labor Yet what I shall choose I know not, for I am in a strait between two, having a desire to depart and to be with Christ, which is far better. Nevertheless, to abide in the flesh is more needful for you. So he sees that that the Philippians have this, this need for him to, to be continuing, to to send them these encouragements, to return to them if the Lord wills. But if the Lord chooses for him to, to die in prison, he's perfectly fine with that. And he tells the, the Philippian believers in verse 27, "...only let your conversation be as it becometh the gospel of Christ, that whether I come to see you or else be absent, I may hear of your affairs, that you stand fast in one spirit with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel." And in nothing terrified by your adversaries, <clears throat> which is to them an evident token of perdition, but to you of salvation, and that of God, for unto you it is given in the behalf of Christ, not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for his sake, having the same conflict which you saw in me now, saw in me, and now here to be in me. He's telling them that if they continue in the way that he wants them to continue, to to have their conversation as it becomes the gospel, their attitudes, their lifestyles, to to show forth Christ, that it's going to lead to their persecution, that they too will suffer the things that He has begun to suffer, and that's where we find this this opening to, to chapter two. We find all of these um, all of these things being told to the disciples so that they may have a conversation that becomes the gospel. If there be therefore any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any bowels and mercies, fulfill ye my joy that ye be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. Let nothing be done through strife or vain glory, but in lowliness of mind let each esteem other better than themselves." Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. The same mind, the same love, and the same attitude. Paul is telling them that unity is critical for the gospel to be furthered in times of persecution. It's easy for us to, to go to Awanas and, and give a little devotion on jesus loved to the cubbies when when there isn't someone knocking on the door asking if there are bibles in here it's a whole lot harder if if the body is divided if we can't rely on on one another if we're more interested in our material pursuits and in verse 4 it's so easy for us to get up and caught up in the rat race philippi was it at a point in Greece where there was a major trade route it was the only way to get from Greece into Asia Minor or into um, on the other side of this mountain range. And so all the trade passed through there was a there was a large group of very well to do individuals and they separated themselves very clearly from from the lower class by uh, living up on a plateau up on a hill outside the city and and everyone wanted to, everyone was jockeying for this economic position. Lydia was a seller of purple. She was making her own money. But these people were were neglecting their other brothers. And not only physically, but it also meant that they weren't involved in their spiritual lives. They weren't encouraging one another. And that's why he, he focuses on on this idea of Of looking every man not on his own things but every man on the things of others and really the way to do that isn't through any strength of our own but we see it in verse 5 let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus that that mind of Christ who Paul now describes how he left the glories of heaven and came to earth as a man to do the work of a slave, someone that the Romans despised, and Philippi had been given Roman citizenship. Uh, it wasn't just a little colony uh, in Greece; it was a settlement that was started for for Roman war veterans. And so, citizens of Philippi were given Roman citizenship, and they wanted to cling to that. In fact, when Paul was arrested, the 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 people who, who accused him when, they, when he cast out the demon didn't come to the judges and say he cast out a demon and now we have no way to make money. They said this man has come and is trying to do things that are contrary to our Roman way of life. And the people were more interested in, in maintaining that, that status that they had than in hearing the gospel and again, um, this hits home to, to these Philippian believers having Roman citizenship that, that now they were supposed to become like these dirty slaves. In verse 7, but he made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of man. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross, the death of a slave. He was not given a noble burial, uh, or a noble death. He was, he was a man who was said by Pilate to have done nothing wrong, and yet he was crucified as a slave. But we see in verse 9, Wherefore God also hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name, That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow of things in heaven and things on earth and things under the earth. And every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And that includes Caesar, the one who was a a God king, the, the man who had given them their Roman citizenship. And that meant they didn't have to pay taxes. But even he, the most powerful man in the world, would bow to this man who died a slave's death. And so in, in, in verse 12 uh, through, through 18, there's this, this picture that we find of shining as lights in the world. And, and we see this as, as having a testimony for the gospel. And so we have the gospel presented before this section in chapter 2 and presented after this section in chapter 2. And that's how we know that when it's referring, uh, when it's saying all of these things in this portion in Chapter 2, that's where that focus really is. It's on presenting the gospel through having this attitude. No one wants to listen to the proud man yelling about how you're going to burn in hell in fire and brimstone standing out on the corner. People respond to, to a soft word, a humble man who comes broken, recognizing that he's a sinner. And in verse, uh, verse 17 and 18, Yea, and if I be offered upon the sacrifice and service of your faith, I joy and rejoice with you all. For the same cause also do ye joy and rejoice with me. This is a call by Paul to rejoice in sacrificing for the gospel, for enduring the, the things that will come if they continue to, to proclaim the gospel, which is, again, contrary to, to what this city of Philippi had been so focused on throughout their history. And Paul gives us an example. <clears throat> in verse 19, we see Timothy a man who we know from the letters that Paul wrote to him as, as well as the book of Acts and, and other epistles where he references Timothy to be Paul's closest companion, like a son, someone who he trained up. And it says that, <clears throat> that he hopes to send Timothy shortly to the Philippians because in verse 20, For I have no man like-minded who will naturally care for your state. For all seek their own, not the things which are Jesus Christ's. There we have a man who does not seek his own, but all others seek their own. We can can look at Christ and say, Christ came as a servant, but he was perfect. He was the son of God. It was easy for him, right? Well, here we have a practical example of a man in the scriptures who was not self-willed who who cared more for God's people than for himself and he reminds the philippians in verses 22 through 24 that that they have seen timothy and the attitude that he has and that they can know that timothy is not coming to to bring a harsh message to, to, to come and be praised. He's coming for their sake. He's coming to, to show them. And we also see Epaphroditus, another young man that, uh, that the Philippians were very fond of. In fact, the Philippians wrote asking about Epaphroditus. Uh, I'm sorry. The, did I say Ephesians? Philippians. Philippians. Okay. The Philippians wrote um, asking about him because they had heard that he was sick, and and this caused Epaphroditus concern that that they were so concerned for his his health, and he wanted to return and to reassure them. And so he's the one who is <coughs> bringing this letter. <coughs> and Paul says that. Paul says that in verse twenty nine and thirty, Receive him therefore in the Lord with all gladness, and hold such in reputation, because for the work of Christ he was nigh unto death, not regarding his life, to supply your lack of service towards me. We are to hold these people who have suffered for the gospel in high esteem, these people who have who have put aside their their own safety, their own well being, and and Devoted themselves to the furtherance of the gospel. And in chapter 3, we see this, 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 this section in the first two verses. Finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord. To write the same things to you, to me indeed is not grievous, but for you it is safe. Beware of dogs, beware of evil workers, beware of the concision. There's this warning against, against the Judaizers, as we know the, the concision to be, and also from evil workers. But he compares the concision to the circumcision which worship God in spirit in verse 3. <coughs> and rejoice in Christ Jesus and have no confidence in the flesh. So we see here the two ways that we can work towards God. We can work in the flesh or we can work in the spirit. And there's only one of those two ways that is at all meaningful to the Lord. And that's why Paul then goes into into this explanation of all of the things that he has done, all of these things that he thought he was doing for God, but it turned out to be according to the flesh in verse four, though I might also have confidence in the flesh, if, in any, if any other man thinketh that he hath confidence, whereof he might trust in the flesh, I more. Circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of the Hebrews, as touching the law of Pharisee concerning zeal, persecuting the church, touching the righteousness which is in the law, blameless. But what things were gained to me, those I counted loss for Christ. Yea, doubtless, and I count all things but loss, for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dung, that I may win Christ. And be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is of the law, (coughs) excuse me, but which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being made conformable unto his death. If by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead, not as though I had already attained either, uh, were already perfect, but I follow after it that I may apprehend that uh, for which also I am apprehended of Christ Jesus." here we see Paul's goal as he is working towards the gospel he knows that Christ has has died for him has given him this mission and his goal is to see his lord again uh, raised on high and until that happens he will continue to work for his lord in verses 13 through 21 we have the that famous verse in 14, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Let therefore as many as be perfect be thus minded. If in anything <clears throat> ye be otherwise minded, God shall reveal even this unto you. Again, an appeal to be thus minded, that is to have this same mind to press towards the mark of the high calling. And a... Uh, And in verse twenty, for our conversation, and we also know that to be our citizenship is in heaven, from whence also we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Again, these people having Roman citizenship needing to realize that that Roman citizenship is not what is going to save them, it's their citizenship in heaven. They might not have to pay taxes and might get a get a fair trial. But I'd much rather have my name written in the book of life when I face the Lord as our judge. In verse 4, 1 through 3, we again see that that this idea that is running throughout this book um, is focused towards the gospel and how critical it is to have unity. We find two of the most famous bickering hens in all of the Bible who will forever be remembered for that, (coughs) Iurias and Syntyche, who are are urged to be of the same mind in the Lord. And in verse 3, And I entreat thee also, true yoke fellow, help those women which labored with me in the gospel, with Clement also, and with all of my other fellow laborers whose name are in the book of life. These women were laborers with Paul in the gospel, but something happened between the two of them and this unit this this disunity has crept in and has ruined the work that they have been doing for the Lord and now Paul has to call them out and we see that 2000 years later that they were not doing what the Lord had called them to do and it's a it's a poignant reminder to us that we can't have friction and bitterness when we're working uh, one with another for the Lord. It's something that comes between us, and it's, it's a pride issue, and bitterness is so easy to, to sink in and to poison our attitudes. In verses 4 through 9, Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. Let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. When, when strife and bitterness has come into the assembly, we need to, instead of dwelling on that, look to this portion and be reminded of the things that the Lord has done, the virtuous things, the good things, that, that we should be rejoicing when the work of the Lord is done and not rejoicing when our enemy is, is harmed and the gospel is, is hindered. And even though the, the Philippians were not on the front line sharing the gospel from town to town with Paul, he tells them that, that their prayers and their gifts are a way that they are fellowshipping with him in the gospel. In specific, verse 11, not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. I know both how to be abased and I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things, I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ, which strengthens me. Our, our contentment in all circumstances is something that is critical for us when we think of our, our joy. We know that it's not a temporary happiness of our circumstances, but it's it's this idea of joy in the Lord our Savior. And here we have contentment in his provision and in his plan for us. As Paul is writing this from prison, Paul is writing this from prison, he has... Had, uh, had very little in the way of money, and the Philippians were able to send money to him. And part of this letter is in thanks for that, but, but this verse 13 that is probably one of the most taken out of context verses in the Bible, along with the one in Jeremiah, is a reminder to us that we can endure all things through Christ. We can, we can endure all things. We can do all things according to Christ's will because, as he mentioned earlier, if they continue on in the gospel, they were going to suffer persecution, and this is what the Philippians are going to need to learn to do, to be content in that persecution, to be reminded that their goal is to preach Christ and to see their Lord. And in verse 15, now you Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, no church communicated with me as concerning giving and receiving, but you only. For even in Thessalonica, ye sent once and again unto my necessity, not because I desire a gift, but because I desire fruit that may abound to your account. Paul has is telling them that the fruit that is abounding to their account is as a result of their giving. And even though I am clearly not the most gifted preacher and I'm even worse when it comes to sharing the gospel on the fly, I know that that coming and praying with the saints for those who do have that gift that um, that sacrificing my time that giving back what the Lord has given me it's it's accounted to my account helping the the spread of the gospel it doesn't have to be that that each one of us is going door-to-door although I'm sure the Lord would love that all of us getting out of our comfort zone but But this is also how the Philippians were able to continue to share in the gospel with Paul. So hopefully we, um, we can walk away tonight knowing that that for Paul, uh, a renowned preacher of the gospel, one who, who suffered so many things, even though he was... A man who was given this great doctrine to share with the people of God his his main thrust was to see the gospel furthered so let's close in prayer dear Heavenly Father we thank you that we can come together and open your word we pray Lord that you would work through this assembly that That we would not be self-willed and stand in the way of your gospel that our our pride would not hinder the work that you have for us to do that that we would seek your will in all things and take the place of that servant our lord who who came and left glory behind to to die a slave's death we thank you so much for his sacrifice and what it means for us. And we pray that we too would have that goal in mind of, of seeing him one day and hearing, well done, thou good and faithful servant. We would seek to be united in the furtherance of the gospel according to the gifts that you have given us and in the work that you have set for us to do. We pray that you would bless those of us who are who are in this program that that we would have wisdom to know how to disciple the next generation we pray that you would lay lay it on the hearts of your saints to pray for us and to pray for this assembly in Jesus name amen